Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. This is Florida Matters. I'm Steve Newborn. The divisiveness that seems to be splitting the country in part stems in part from the stance of its two major political parties. Democrats and Republicans haven't seen eye-to-eye on many things lately, and hyper-partisanship has gotten to the point where very few bills can be passed by crossing party lines. Some people say it would take a miracle for the two parties to agree on anything. So here's a new idea, one that's been called Miracle on the Key. Longboat key, that is, swimming pools, big houses on the beach, and a willingness to at least hear what the other side is saying. The Longboat Key Democrats and Republican Club of Longboat Key have started a project of talking to each other across party lines in a series of conversations facilitated by a world-class mediator who has worked with groups as diverse as the Israelis and Palestinians. I'm talking to them at the WUSF studio on the Sarasota Manatee campus of the University of South Florida. Ed Sable is president of the Longboat Key Democrats, and Paul Hilbert is a member of the Republican Club of Longboat Key. Paul is also a member of the Longboat Key Planning and Zoning Board. Welcome to Florida Matters. Thank you very much. Morning. So the idea for the miracle on the key came about really after the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Can you go into that a little bit? Yes, that's uh, true. Two friends, both happened to be named Bob, uh, were talking about the climate in the country and how uh, scary it was and uh, if there was anything that could be done about it. So they agreed to respectively approach the clubs they belonged to. One belonged to the Republican Club one belonged to the Democratic Club, and see if the clubs would be uh, interested in trying to uh, facilitate a dialogue. And uh, we really jumped at the opportunity, um, thought it was a great idea. And being in Sarasota, you know, we were fortunate enough to have uh, found a facilitator who has uh, some expertise in this area to help us out. Well, speaking of the facilitator, Rochelle Wyman, she had work with getting Israelis and Palestinians together, right? So if, if we got that kind of uh, vitriol that's gone over for a century, how, how is this any easier getting Republicans and Democrats together? You know, Rochelle has uh, a, a deep experience in, in these kind of matters, and indeed she did uh, have several experiences in the Mideast, but she's a pro. And, uh, and, and she started us off uh, by getting us to share uh, what our hopes and dreams for the country were. And uh, it was just amazing how the hopes and dreams of the Democrats in the room and the hopes and dreams of the Republicans in the room were, you know, 90% coincided. Ed wants the same thing for the country as I do. It's just a question of how do we get there? Yeah. You know, I think most people are kind of like that, but there's such vitriol, to use that word, uh, on both sides of the aisle, usually from the fringes of the party. It, it's kind of hard to get through that, that kind of chatter. Tell me about the meetings that you've had 
and the response that you've been getting and, you know, whether a lot of that vitriol is coming out a lot? No, our meetings are very productive. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's not like we agree on writing the new Voting Rights Act or, you know, the Climate Change Act or whatever. You know, we have differences. But uh, honest people have honest differences, and we talk about them, uh, and we respect each other. We don't call each other names. We don't yell at each other. We listen to each other and agree to disagree oftentimes. Yeah, I think one of the striking things that came out and a very productive thing that Russell did is towards the end of the first meeting, she paired us off with a counterpart in the other party. And my counterpart expressed something very well, which I kind of felt, but she really felt, and that was she's afraid to have political conversations in any kind of a social setting because she's afraid that she's going to offend somebody or she's going afraid she's going to set somebody off. And that's really a pathetic state of affairs because if you can't talk about something, then how do you increase understanding and how do you get problems resolved? So let's talk about how many meetings you all have had out there, where you've been holding them, and you know how many people are showing up at these things. Well, we deliberately limited it to four from each group, and we want to keep a balance. We're, we're talking about expanding it now, whether we most likely not adding to our group but setting up other groups, other people have the opportunity to uh, have this experience. But we wanted to keep it equal and manageable, and so we limited it to four people. You know, we all live on Longbow Key, so we bounce from condo to condo meeting in the, the community rooms. And we've had a good dozen meetings. We've been at this for like a year now. So we meet pretty much on a monthly basis. I looked up a little uh, a blurb here on your, on your website. It says, uh, both parties have conducted a series of meetings that have involved Republicans and Democrats engaging in thoughtful dialogue, recognizing mutually held beliefs, and embracing differences. So how's the embracing part going? <laughs> Are we getting a little kumbaya out there, or is that maybe a little a bridge too far for this kind of age? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a kumbaya thing. But again, I think we've come to accept that it's okay to have different opinions. And one of the things we learned early on was that you can't, can't judge a book by its cover, right? You can't look at somebody and say, they're a Republican, therefore I know their position on this, this, and this. They have a diversity of opinions, just like in the Democrats, we, we sort of uh, uh, bemoan the fact that we're all over the map, but, uh, you know, we have so many different opinions. But that's reality. We, we all have our personal beliefs, and they could be different and the same in some cases. So when somebody comes out with one of their personal beliefs that maybe you, Ed, as a Democrat, aren't supporting, um, how do you react to that? You know, we very early on, as a common set of beliefs listed, and I think I have them actually, (laughs) uh, we listed some common beliefs, mutual respect, equal opportunity, non-discrimination, non-violence, personal responsibility and truthfulness. We listed those as common values. And those are sort of, uh, you know, the types of things that if I was going to call somebody out on, that's what I would call them out on, right? I'll give you an example. Uh, In one of our meetings, Scott, the, the president of the Republican Club, 
brought up critical race theory. Now, I had never heard of that before. So I went home and I researched it and I looked at it. And uh, I said to our club, this is an interesting topic that's getting apparently a lot of play at this point. Uh, can we get a speaker? And somebody knew somebody, and we end up with the former Secretary of Education under Obama speaking on critical race theory at one of our meetings. So I sent a copy of that video to Scott, and Scott said, I have no problem with that. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. You know, we found a, a common uh, area of agreement, although we may continue to disagree about some other aspects of that. And part of that, Steve, gets to the media and what the media tends to do with what are stories and facts. And of course, each media, whether it be uh, uh, right or left, is trying to make their points and trying to sell advertising. And so you end up t having stories like that kind of manipulated so that it creates controversy. And, and then, of course, the political parties take advantage of that, both sides, and create an issue that uh, where there might not even have been an issue. Well, a lot of people say that's part of the reason for this whole hyper-partisanship now is yeah. it wasn't like maybe when you and I were kids. Well, I'm not sure how old you are, at least when I was a kid. <laughs> there were three major networks and your local newspaper and a couple of radio stations, and everybody had a kind of common source of information. Now with social media, people are just clicking on whatever they want to hear. They are never exposed to the other side, it reinforces their echo chamber. Are you running up against that, Paul, uh, that people are not exposed to the other side and maybe you're trying to correct the situation a little bit? No, no question, that's, uh, that's a definite problem. And one of the things we've worked on is, Ed, what are your news sources? Scott, what are your news sources? So we can share those. And several of us watch CNN, watch Fox, are on the internet, and we try to figure out what, what's real and, and what is uh, bending of the facts for some kind of effect. But don't you get people who are saying, I've never heard that, that's not what I'm hearing every day yeah. from my information sources. So how do you fight against that? What Paul was saying was we uh, went through common media sources and made commitments on both sides to look for sources that are presenting information, not opinion. I don't want somebody to tell me what to think. I want somebody to give me some facts so I can figure out how I feel about a particular issue. And if we have facts, we can talk about it. And again, we may disagree, but at least we're disagreeing on the basis of common facts. We very early on, I think, unanimously agree this current situation of only hearing what you want to hear is not a good thing. Uh, and the, the current climate of, it's almost the crazier the behavior, the more money you raise. And, and we, you know, we have to put a stop to that. That's, that's not good for the country. You know, I think a good example uh, that I see, you know, currently is the treatment of uh, Kamala Harris. I think it's, it's kind of the worst treatment that I've seen since Sarah Palin. And, and I think there's a relationship there. One was a symbol of the right, another's a symbol of the left, and, uh, and neither one of them uh, get, get fair treatment at all. And maybe partly because they're attractive ladies, we have a bias there as well uh, in that, you know, we don't think they're going to be able to, to make an intelligent, put an intelligent sentence together, which is 
not true. Are, are you getting a lot of women, a lot of uh, diversity in the meetings you go to, or, you know, Longbow Key getting a lot of white guys? <laughs> well, <laughs> Longbow Key uh, gets a lot of old people, <laughs> for sure. Uh, now, we have uh, certainly have gender uh, uh, equality involvement, uh, uh, a number of women involved, yes. Let me ask you this. Do you feel like the people who come to these meetings, first of all, are they invited or do you put up flyers or web postings and they, they come? How do, you, how do you get the people to come to these? Well, they were kind of chosen after the two Bobs got together mm -hmm. and Ed uh, and his group bought into it and, and Scott and our group bought into it. We kind of chose who we thought would, would be interested and then talked to them. And so consequently, we got four people who, from our side, who expressed a desire to try to resolve this issue. And I think the same thing happened on the Democrats. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things Rissell pointed out that's different with our group than many of the ones she's been involved in. So, you know, the UN sent her to Serbia to try and bring those folks together. Uh, and, you know, she said they were all in the room because somebody ordered them to be there. Uh, whereas we were all volunteers. We came forward because we wanted to do this. And uh, that may have helped move the process along. So the regular meetings, the monthly meetings, are the same four people from both sides. Separate from that, we invited the four Republicans to come to our Democratic Club luncheon meeting, which had 100 people at it. Uh, and introduced them, and, and they said a few words, and I think they were pretty warmly received. No, no throwing of stones. No, I, you know, people want this to work. People want to turn the rhetoric down, and they then invited us to the Republican luncheon, and, and the same thing. Now, not to say there's not a couple people out there that haven't read the uh, press release <laughs> about us working together, but for the most part, again, it was a, it was a warm reception and an intelligent conversation. Uh, because they asked their members, you know, do you want to ask any questions? And a number of them did, and we had a very thoughtful conversation. In fact, um, we actually have a group of, uh, on the Republican side, and my guess is probably on the Democratic side, who are you know, just kind of uh, a little upset that they weren't involved in how do, how do we join the group. Uh, we think we have something to offer as well. And... At this point, as Ed indicated earlier, um, we're, we're not sure exactly how that should work, but we will be expanding, just like we're trying to go out and uh, preach the gospel, so to speak. We're talking about ways to foster civil discourse in our discussion of everything political and how we deal with others who may not necessarily share our views. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to Florida Matters. I'm Steve Newborn. Many people have expressed concern about the direction the country is headed. They worry that the two major parties are unable to work together for the good of the nation. So if the Republican and Democratic clubs on Longboat Key are talking to each other and making an attempt to foster civil discourse. Our guests are Republican Paul Hilbert and Ed Sable, a Democrat. I'm speaking to them at the WUSF studio on the Sarasota Manatee campus of the University of South Florida. I'm sure at these meetings with the four people, you're kind of preaching to the choir in one respect. You're getting people who buy into this. How do you 
expand it to people who maybe are not so receptive to your message? What's the long-term goal here or strategy if you have one? You know, there's, there's probably people that have held very strong beliefs all along, right? Part of the problem now is that they're the ones getting all the attention. Mm -hmm. So the extremes, like I said, the crazier you are, the crazier the thing you say, the more publicity it gets, the more money it raises, the more media coverage it gets, social media, all that. So it's important for those of us who truly, we, we all love this country and want it to be successful and want it to be better. We need to stand up. We need to take, this was a Republican term, but personal responsibility and ownership of this and say, no, stop. We disagree, but we don't hate each other. It's gotten to the point where it's become personal in a lot of politics here. Um, I did an interview recently right here in Sarasota with two school board members when they had a recent debate about critical race theory and masking in school. And a group of protesters went to the home of one of the school board members and protested outside with bullhorns, placards. They had kids out there accusing this person of unpatriotic activities. It's gotten really personal. I mean, how do you fight against that and kind of make it a little more cerebral or a little more thoughtful? Um, or are we battling a wave of disinformation that maybe is just going to wash over everybody? Well, I'd say one thing that, again, a credit to Russell, we have had some issues that keep coming up. And, and one of those was the, was the big lie. And so, as Ed indicated earlier, the assumption of this individual is that somehow these four Republicans all believe in the big lie. And none of us believe in the big lie. Just the, the fact that you're calling it the big lie shows yeah. me yeah, that, right? Yeah, and, but it, it kept coming up in the mind of, of one of the Democrats, and, and that was an issue. But, but Russell has done a nice job of, uh, of pushing back against the individual who kept bringing it up and also ha having us understand why it's coming up. And so uh, I think, again, the facilitator helped us there. Well, I uh, was reading a story in the Sarasota Herald Tribune. It said that uh, during one meeting, the controversy about the, the big lie, the unfounded election fraud claims became so intense that she threw a yellow card like they do calling a foul in soccer games, right, to yes. calm things down. You're still getting a lot of those yellow cards coming out? Anybody getting <laughs> kicked out of the meetings, being let no, out of the stands? Nobody kicked out of the meeting. She does. She did, on a couple of occasions, pull the yellow card. And as Paul said, that was one of them. It was like, enough already. You know, it, this may be the most important thing to you, but as a group, we're, we've sort of moved on beyond that. What's the plan ahead here? Are you Tell me your schedule. Are you having more meetings? Are you going to expand it to wider audience coming up in the near future? Yeah, and people have contacted us from uh, you know different parts of Florida and different parts of the country as far away as Oregon uh, asking for advice on how they could replicate this. And that's what we're sort of struggling with right now. You know, we're all just regular old folks who, who got together and did this. And, you know, what is it that we can offer to them? It'd be easy for Scott and I to stand up there and talk and be sort of the role models, but we think we need more. We think we need uh, some concrete pieces of advice on paper that we can distribute to folks to help them have these types of conversations and put together groups to start doing it, replicate it. Yeah, yeah we have uh, in our group a couple of professional educators. 
and, and, and as well as Russell. So as Ed said, we're in the process of putting together a curriculum uh, for these folks out in Oregon for them to take a look at and a proposal. And uh, if they buy into it, uh, you know, not all of us, but a couple of us will fly out there and, uh, and, and help them uh, get to the same point as, uh, as we are. And they're willing to, you know, fund the travel and, and those kind of things. So I think the idea is try to spread the word and within our, our two organizations, get more people involved, but do so in a way that makes sure that, you know, they're, they're kind of getting the benefit of uh, Russell's tutelage so that they come in with ears wide open and two ears and just one mouth. So there's a possibility you all could be going on the road. We'll have the uh, the Ed and Paul traveling roadshow coming out soon. <laughs> yeah, well, we would, if we can be helpful, we're going to do it because this is important. It's important for the future of the country. And, uh, you know, like as Paul said, when we first sat down, that's one of the things we all agreed on. We love this country, and we want it to be good. So we got to work at it. And, Steve, there are other people out there working on this as well, and we probably should know more about them, but – I was in the Denver airport uh, not too long ago, and there was a great big sign, about eight, maybe by 16, with a picture of Abraham Lincoln. And basically it said, a house divided against itself will not stand. And then on the right-hand side, how about a little civil dialogue? And uh, and so somebody else is uh, working on this as well. Do, Do you think you have the backing of most of the populace? You know, they used to call it the silent majority people who are quietly supporting what you do, but they're not the fringes from either the left or right, making all the noise, getting all the media attention, and that's really the what you have to overcome. I, I will tell you, you know, Sarasota, Longboat, it's, it tends to be a Republican area. So the building I live in, most of my neighbors are Republicans. And every one of them who's seen this or heard it on the radio or seen it in the newspaper has come up to me and said, thank you for what you're doing. Please keep at it. We need this. And that's pretty broad support. All right, let me uh, shift gears here a little bit. You know, the lurching of the Republican Party to the right and the Democratic Party to the left in many ways, it's kind of calmed down a little bit recently, has left a lot of voters in the middle scratching their head where to go. Nearly 4 million voters have abandoned the two major political parties in Florida alone. That's almost one out of every four registered voters. That's a big number right there. So people are considering a third party. I did an interview not too long ago with former Congressman David Jolly. He replaced Bill Young in Pinellas County in in Congress. And he has uh, helped found what is called the Serve America Movement, or SAM Party, after criticizing President Trump's uh, policies and turning in his GOP card several years ago. It doesn't seem to be much traction here, but do either of you two believe that third parties is one way out of this hyper-partisanship? I don't believe a third party is the way out. And uh, if you kind of go back and look at the history of uh, the way, you know, we've governed here in, in the United States, third-party movements uh, don't tend to succeed. I certainly understand the reason for that because a lot of the things that the Republican Party does are not things that I'm proud of. But I still think working within the two-party system is the uh, the best course of action. Yeah, as you know, uh, in, in most European countries, there's a parliamentary system where they yep. have 
multi-parties and they tend to work with each other to moderate their, their positions in order to stay in power. Um, we don't really have that here. This is a winner-take-all. But well, it's the it's the uh, cards we've been dealt, <laughs> and we're not going. I don't think we're going to change that. We have to we have to accept it and deal with it. I certainly support a diversity of opinions. I have no problem with people having different opinions on a broad spectrum. You know, that's not that to me is not the problem. Uh, when you say you're leaning towards civil war. Well, wait a minute. Now, you know, or I won't accept the outcome. I'm going to engage in violence. Well, now you've crossed the line, right? Now you've gotten into territory where you're not respecting other people's rights to have uh, different opinions, and that's a serious problem. But, uh, you know, a third party, and uh, as Paul said, in the United States, that just doesn't, the system was not set up to do that. And, uh, uh, I don't think that's going to be a solution to the problem. People signing up as uh, n no party affiliates is what I call them, you know, because there is actually an independence party, I think, in Florida. Mm -hmm. So they're not signing up to be independent party. They're just signing up, not choosing one of the two major parties. That's their choice. So they want to keep their options open and do that. Good for them. One of the problems is they don't get to vote in either one of the primaries, so the parties go off on their own, and then they select people they don't like. Uh, you know, if they would have had input to that in the primary, but uh, that's their choice, and you know, good for them. Yeah. All right. If anybody out there wants to take part in these meetings or find out more, where should they go? How do they find out? At this point, we don't have any uh, joint uh, place of communication, but you could go to the. Uh, uh, LBK uh, Dems Club uh, webpage or the Republican the, Club uh, webpage, mm -hmm. yeah, and uh, and that would be a good way to get in touch with uh, with either one. Has our contact information, and and you know we'll try and be as helpful as we can. Well, gentlemen, uh, just wrapping up here, I'd just like to get your elevator speech. What you're trying to do, your long-term strategy, and whether you think you're going to have any success getting through that wall out there. We're, we're very concerned with the, the absence of civil discourse, which means the preponderance of uh, partisanship that exists in the country. And we don't think that really represents what most people believe. So we're trying to promote understanding, we're trying to promote listening, learning, communicating, not trying to uh, uh, dodge the conversation, but to engage in the conversation in a way that's uh, productive. Ed, your, your elevator speech on what you all are trying to accomplish and how, how that's going to happen. Yeah, well, we believe that, as I said, honest people have honest differences. That's not a problem. You should be able to sit down, talk about them in an intelligent, thoughtful way, and either agree or disagree or most likely partially agree at the end of the discussion. But the climate where we seem to have been moving as a country, where uh, there is this vitriol, this hatred, this attacking the other, has to stop. This is a great country. Figure out ways to bring it together and make it better. Stop dividing it. It may help some people with their individual agendas and their individual monetary existence, but it doesn't help the country. Uh, and we owe, we owe this country more. All right, more power to you both. Thank you for what you're doing. And 
Thank you for being on Florida Matters. Ed Sable is president of the Longbow Key Democrats. Paul Hilbert is with the Republican Club of Longbow Key. Thanks so much for being on the show, gentlemen. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And that's it for today's show. Our producer is Denora Prevost. You can catch up on our recent shows and the latest news from Florida Matters and WUSF via Twitter, Facebook, our WUSF Instagram page, or by podcast so you can listen to us anytime you want. I'm Steve Newborn. We'll catch you next week on our next edition of Florida Matters.